Welcome to CX Diaries. CX Diaries from the Customer Experience Foundation is our podcast where we talk to the people at the sharp end of CX and contact centers, the movers and the shakers, the innovators, the disruptors, and the people delivering in the real world who share their personal stories of their journey through our industry. This week for season two, I'm delighted to be joined by Chani Bat. Chani is a veteran in the CX space with a strong history of working with rapid growth businesses in the e-commerce environment particularly within fashion and beauty industry, also handling multiple complex projects and managing large offshore teams across EMEA and North America. She thrives on creating cost-effective solutions and challenging existing processes to create efficiencies and developing high-performing teams, both in-house and outsource across both small-scale and large multi-site multilingual operations. Chani specializes in subscription models, automation, customer retention, CX, and digital services such as social media and community. Chandni, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. That's quite a that's quite a range of skills. Hey, good morning, Keith. Thanks for having me. Uh, so you're you're at Beauty Pie at the moment. Um, talk us through the role there and uh, some of the some of the big things you're working on. Yeah, of course. So I currently sit within the member happiness team, which is our customer experience departments uh, to tell you a bit more about what Beauty Pie does before I go on to myself. So we buy direct from the consumer, sorry, direct from the warehouses. So we remove the price tag and we provide you a premium product at a, a fraction of the price. So my role is ensuring that our members always have an agent to speak to on the other side, giving them skincare advice, making sure that they're topped up on their supplements, not only through any inbound contact, but also through virtual consultations, making sure our community have focus events, as well as making sure that we're getting our um, amazing member happiness uh, skills out and making sure we're trained up both in the UK and the US. I wear a lot of different hats. Sometimes I'm a copywriter. One day I'm recording an IVR. Some days I have to respond to tickets when it gets too busy. Um, but my main focus right now is automation and making sure that our headcount can remain stable. Okay, uh, so what are some of the challenges in the operation at the moment? You mentioned about uh, automation and a head headcount. How's that affecting you at the moment? So as we grow as a business, uh, which we're enjoying, I guess one of the side effects of that is getting an increased amount of inbound contact. So it's really finding the balancing act of how can we keep giving customers the best service without scaling our team and going through our peaks with ramp ups and ramp downs. So one of the solutions that we founded is automating very simple tickets that did not require that additional human element, such as personalization to skin types, et cetera. So we found a lot of successes with this, um, such as automating up to 40% of very simple queries. We didn't see a negative for the CSAT, so this was a win-win. Our agents were able to do more enriching work, uh, which really helped them 
kind of develop themselves at Beauty Pie and not just being the person that handles where is my order. Yeah. And how have you automated that? What sort of technologies and processes are you uh, using to help with that? A lot of data analysis to see what was our top contact drivers. So understanding what is it that we should automate and what should we actually keep for a human? So we found that the repetitive queries where customers couldn't find on the help center because it needed an action in-house was most likely to be the best thing to automate. So being a subscription-based business, a lot of account queries. So we wrote personalized responses because nobody wants to be stuck in the loop of death with a bot. Um, and through that, we saw such gains on, on week one. And it's been a year now on this journey. We've automated close to 70,000 interactions uh, with savings in around six figures. Amazing. And you're very much a subscription business. Um, talk to us about the differences you found running a subscription business um, compared to other organisations that, that we might know and that you've worked at before. Yeah, sure. So a lot of loyalty uh, comes with subscription businesses, particularly with the type of product that we're selling. It's quite emotive. So we often get customers who have been our day one fans who want to speak to specific agents that they have previously spoken to. They build up a rapport. And that's really great to see. And it gives our team a great sense of purpose, especially when they're actually seeing really kind emails and kind interactions, which is typically not something I've seen in other businesses where People are spoiled for choice and they can buy the product anywhere. Yeah. Um, and also, how's that, how's the cost of living uh, challenges affecting your subscription model at the moment? We've definitely seen an impact here um, and we are conscious of that. Um, we have been toying with different membership offerings from annual, which would be cheaper per month, or having a monthly membership, which, which in the long run does end up being slightly more expensive, but provides a customer flexibility. We've also introduced a free trial so people can kind of try the product without tying themselves into a membership. So we understand that the landscape is changing and we've got to also move with it. And, and you're also very big on community at Beauty Pie, aren't you? So talk to us about how you structure that and organise that. Yeah, so we are very big on community. Being a founder-led business, um, we had a community before the business was even born due to this founder. We've got day one fans on our Facebook who often set up their own meet and greets. We just had one last week from the US who was in London visiting. We brought her into our office and she's actually been meeting with other Beauty Pie fans to share their products and share their passion. So it's so refreshing that it's actually so um, organic. And we step in where we can, but we we don't want to um, kind of manufacture it too much. We almost let the community do what they want to do um, and give them opportunities to come into the office, hold focus groups and exclusive competitions. And what, what sort of tools and approaches are you using to both manage and, and support the community and, and what, what can other businesses learn from that do you think? A lot of social listening so we are not quite there with our journey of social listening yet we are yet to bring in a tool um, so it is a lot of manual kind of looking through trends and keywords to see what is a negative sentiment and what is positive 
Um, but I think when you're going to see a problem spike in, in, in your queue, you're going to hear it on community first because they are so quick to see when something has not gone well. Um, and so that is the first place we look when we, we could assume something is going to brew within our service centre. Okay. And I'd imagine you're doing an awful lot across social media as well as within your own community. Uh, is, that, is that quite a high impact area for you? Absolutely. With new releases almost every week, this is a place where people want to know everything. Um, so we need to not only have our inbound team, but an extension of that is having those skills to respond to a public message with our brown tone of voice, which can be quite a challenge when you have a team of 14 individuals who all write in their own personas to make sure that we're always being consistent and also getting back to customers in a timely manner. And thinking now operationally, um, Adam, uh, you, you run a lot of personal device, virtual consultations. How do you how do you manage that? How do you organise that? How, what, what tools are you using for that? Yeah, so actually we've kept it super simple. Uh, we right. actually use Zoom for our virtual consultations. So we have a, um, a calendar where customers can simply come online, pick if they want skincare or makeup consultation it's free it's 20 minutes and it's all organized via zoom uh the customer gets a, a great little form to fill in with what what their requirements are and they get to have a face-to-face a one-on-one as many as they want with one of our team uh which is highly beneficial especially when we're not in a physical store and they can't touch and feel the products and how do you skill the uh the the, the staff the agents to be able to to do that Well, that's a great question. We have our product development team in-house. So that's from skincare, supplements, hair care, cosmetics, you name it, we've got it. So there's a lot of intensive training with the people who actually develop the products. So everything from the ingredients to what can be used together and what what isn't safe for certain people to use together. Um, They also receive every single product. So before every launch, you get to actually touch, feel, experience, smell the product because the only way you're able to sell it and explain it is a if you've got the passion and b if you understand what the product is yeah so i'd imagine your employee engagement scores are fairly high absolutely yes yeah 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 and and thinking about um the the logistics of 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 that I, i i guess you're still like many online businesses beholden to delivery networks sorry could you repeat that I imagine, I imagine, like many online businesses, you're still um, beholden to many delivery networks, and that yeah. causes problems. It can do. Uh, last year, when Royal Mail decided to have a strike, uh, that was uh, we had to pivot really fast. We had to go with a provider that we've not worked with before, uh, just before Black Friday. So that was yeah. interesting for us, uh, one for the operations team uh, and. My team were impacted quite heavily um, and customers were not happy. Uh, but, you know, it wasn't unique to us as a business. It was countrywide. Yeah. And, and do, do you have a particular peak in the golden traditional golden quarter for retail or is yours a bit more spread throughout the year? 
We do more so recently in the last two, three years, you know, we've got to keep up with other businesses out there. People are spoiled yeah. for choice. Uh, so yes, uh, the, the golden quarter is, is great for gifting. Um, and it, it almost goes through into February when it's all about wellness, um, fresh new year, how to take care of your skin, um, how to heal yourself from within with supplements. So yeah, our peak almost carries on into the first quarter. Wow, incredible. And thinking more personally, um, tell us about your journey through the industry. How did you get started in CX? Yeah, that's that's a great question. So, well, I don't want to say like most people, so I'll say like myself. Um, I did a business management degree um, out of the university, was not quite sure what I wanted to do. Um, and e-retail was just emerging at that point. So I started off as an agent for a subscription-based business uh, called Shoe Dazzle, uh, which is still thriving in the US. Um, however, it just started in the UK and subscription models hadn't yet taken off. So they were almost too soon to market. So um, yeah, I was an agent, uh, just kind of understanding the ways of business, customer service is something that I'd always done face-to-face -face throughout university, working on the weekends in retail. So yeah, I, I really did start from start from the ground up. And where? How did you arrive at Beauty Pie? What 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 was the the journey from university to Beauty Pie? Yeah, so I guess I remained in customer service. Um, I moved on to another subscription brand called Fabletics. There's a theme going here. I, I definitely favour uh, memberships. Um, and I was put in a really unique position where the business blew up and it was a global business in the US, the UK um, and, and some European countries. And it was not sustainable to grow our team in the UK. So as agent number two, I was given the opportunity to work with our US CX team, go to the Philippines and actually hire, train and onboard about 50 agents. So I think I skipped a few steps between agent and managing a BPO. Yeah. But I yeah. loved every second of it. Just learning about a different culture, being able to provide opportunities to a large group of people in the Philippines was, it was first of all, just eye-opening at their passion, which I had never seen in the UK. And to this day, I will always um, really have a soft spot for those people in my heart. Yeah, and and um, talking about BPO there, um, what's your views on, uh, I, I, I guess most of your work is in-house, but you've worked with BPOs. What's your, your view on that mix and balance and what, where organizations can be getting it right and better? Yeah, so I think, you know, it's understanding the why. So if somebody's going into uh, understanding why to outsource, is it a cost-saving exercise or is it to provide more flexibility? And, and neither one of those are wrong, um, but it's understanding why is it being done. And often, um, if it's never been done in a business before, executives can be quite worried because you don't always hear great things about BPOs. So I think it's bringing in other executives into the journey because as CX leaders, most people understand it quite well. But if you're not within CX, it gets a bad rap. And I think that's where we really need to change that dialogue. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. And, and thinking more personally now, um, what, what are your biggest achievements? What are you most proud of? Um, yeah, I think actually being responsible for setting up the operations in the Philippines, kind of moving quite rapidly from being a frontline agent to then developing training materials, 
conducting that to big groups, um, hiring, putting together career path planning. There are agents that I kind of embedded 10 years ago who are now senior floor managers and they, they've gone on their journey. And to this day, they still message me to thank me for showing them the leadership skills. So that's been a big moment for me that I'll always be super proud of. Um, and knowing that when put in a situation like that, I was able to thrive and almost make it up as I went along and it still worked out okay. Yeah. Um, so where does it go wrong? What can we learn from, obviously things don't always run swimmingly. Where does it go wrong? What can we learn in your view? For me, it's in business, not having the executive buy-in and or working in silos because often you know certain teams are going you know everyone's got their own goals but I think it's really important to have a roadmap together and an understanding of what is it that we're trying to achieve and asking the right questions often it's about retention and acquisition and there's great initiatives behind it but fundamentally it is all about the customer and yeah. it's it's being that voice in the room to just keep reminding the execs that it is about the customer what does this mean for the customer yeah i agree with that and and thinking personally as well um what's perhaps the biggest issue you've had to overcome how did you get through that great question um i i joined a company a very established company i won't name names here as a manager I walked into a bit of chaos. I wasn't quite sure what was happening. There was a lot of redundancies happening uh, for people that had been there for 20, 25 years who were the subject matter experts. And I was tasked with almost taking their knowledge and passing it on to the teams in the Philippines. Of course comes a lot of resistance with this because who was I? And that was what I was asked. Who are you to come in here? You don't know what I've learned in 20, 25 years. Why should I help you? And that was a huge challenge for me to almost kind of swallow my ego and, and, and be a person and understand what they're going through. Because to get the best out of them, I really needed to put everything aside and just really get to understand what can I do for them in this time to really help with this transition. That was a huge challenge for me. I learned a lot. I learned how to listen and close my mouth. <laughs> Uh, just to move things forward yeah and and thinking about your leadership style Chani where does that come from and, and what sort of influences have there been on your life and career I think being being able to work in different areas working with uh different cultures so the Philippines UK uh Poland I've been able to adapt my leadership skills to individuals but also different cultures because everyone requires a different approach um and I actually I don't want to toot my own horn but it's something my own team have said to me is that I'm very flexible at changing my approach when it comes to different levels not only individuals so I think it's something I've learned along the way and that came with failure um to adapt my style uh, but I think it's landed me in a really in a really good position now where I I know when to adapt my style amazing and, and and thinking um back as you know we always like to ask our guests to reflect and help those that are coming up through the industry as we did so you can go back to being 25 again uh, mm -hmm. what advice would you give to your younger self grasp the opportunities that come your way 
often it's better to say you've experienced it than not at all. I was very ambitious, maybe a bit too early, um, knowing that titles are fluid. A title in one business is not reflective of a title in a different business. Forget titles um, and expand your network. I've only very recently started to do that and I have learned so much and I wish I did it sooner. But a part of that probably comes from um, having some self-confidence. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would definitely uh, agree with that. And how do you unwind and escape from it all? Um, tell us a few things about you that we wouldn't know from looking at your LinkedIn profile. Well, from my LinkedIn profile, you may assume I'm obsessed with emojis and that I am extroverted. I, I really am not. I, it takes a lot for me to um, put myself out there. So when I'm not putting myself out there, I really enjoy time with a small circle of friends simple things you know going for a walk enjoying the sunset I really enjoy cooking um taking that time for myself to recharge reflect and cooking for other people I think that's my kind of love language because I can do it in silence uh, <laughs> whilst kind of thinking and marinated what's happening through the week amazing um Chani thank you uh it's been fascinating having you with us today hope our listeners have found this uh as exciting and insightful as I have you can find out lots more about the Customer Experience Foundation at cxfo.org. And we hope you can join us next time on CX Diaries. Thank you, Keith.